Hello, Sansa. It's Friday, July 15, 2016, and that means it's time for Catching Foxes. We recorded this one last week on the topic of Season 6 of HBO's Game of Thrones. It's an episode filled with spoilers from both the books and the show, so grow up and deal with it. We also have a contest update. If you log into iTunes and write a review that's posted between July 8th to July 22nd, you'll be entered into a drawing, U.S. residents only, for a newly updated prize package. Sarah Vabulous of the Catholic Drinky Podcast and Arlene Spensley of our upcoming show, Easier Said Than Done, will include their own books in the prize. So now it's like a big deal. So write a review today. Five stars, five stars, five stars. Finally, this episode is sponsored by our friends at CatholicBalm.co, the company that brings you the handmade Catholic Beard Balm, the St. Therese Chapstick, and the Lumina Solid Lotion Bar. They are a great company with great products, and we thank them for sponsoring our show. When checking out, Get a 10% discount on your order by typing in the promo code, all one word, Team Michael or Team Luke. I think Team Michael will win, but Team Luke has the edge with emotional instability behind it, so you never know. Thank you, CatholicBomb.co, for sponsoring this show. So, ladies and gentlemen, grab some ale, don't make eyes at your sister, and enjoy episode 51 entitled, Jamie Lannister is the Michael W. Smith of Game of Thrones. Did you have you seen a Game of Thrones? Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh, Luke! Like, oh my right? gosh! It's the best finale of any episode ever. Those, those last two episodes, yeah, I agree, are the best. Oh my gosh! Oh the my best goodness! Yeah, ever watched better when, than men. When the when the sept blew up, I was like, oh, she killed all of her enemies and every every noble person that ever snickered at her. Uh-huh. All at once. And then I was like, oh, but shit, that's going to be absolute war. And then her son takes off his crown and then walks. I'm like, why are they showing the window for so long? <laughs> oh, my God. He just jumped and killed himself. I, I was just like, it was so everything. I like, I, so like we all knew that was going to happen, but the way it happened. And I remember telling um, John that I was. I was kind of uh, I was kind of uh, concerned over like who else is there to kill that's going to be interesting. I was like, oh, never mind, we're fine. Oh, and man. I even think that the battle of the bastards that's that's the best battle I've seen since Braveheart. It was very interesting because it, it was less bloody than Braveheart, which is weird. But there was um, the scene of like it, at one point there were I felt like there were so few people and on the battlefield like the extras and stuff but so many mountains of bodies i was like that's a little excessive why do they keep crawling on top of each other to die and then you realize that the roose bolton formed the barricade around it you know with his soldiers and their shields yeah um and then but they used the mound of dead bodies as part of the barricade to block people in well there are two thoughts about that is that's actually how it happens on the battlefield is that's that can tend to happen because it just sits in a confined space and just um but i, I get that yeah um and two one of the things that just like really annoys me that people haven't talked about is the fact that john didn't he did not die and it was not luck like everyone keeps like, acting like, how did he not die? And I'm like, because he, because like he was like, I, I think he knew that somehow he wasn't going to be killed. Once, once he started not, well, 
once he kept going, oh my gosh, I, I, I like how to make it through that, how to make it other like through that, it's kind of started to go, oh, he's going to live. No matter what he does, he's going to live. And and so I just and I don't understand why people aren't oh, talking about that. What do you mean? Like you, th- he thinks he's essentially like not immortal, but like no, this is like right now, like some type of divinity wants to keep him alive. Mm. And I think everyone is just kind of. I think it's because a lot of people who write about this stuff are um, atheist or agnostic, and just or they just because now it's not cool to even talk about God in and, and, and a positive life. So they're just kind of ignoring it. And I'm like, he's clearly not dying for a reason. This is not luck. And I think his, if that starts to answer, like, why is he supposed to be alive? Or, or, or sorry, is like, like, it was not like he has a purpose for coming back. He is meant to be alive for, for how long? I uh, don't, I uh, don't know, but it's not a coincidence that he didn't die. Yeah, I don't think it was a coincidence, but I, lo- I it was good. I loved it. I loved it so much. I love you know. I read this article, and I think it was the Atlantic. I might be wrong on that, but about the cathartic experience we all felt, the release we all felt when um, Sansa got her very specific revenge on Roose Bolton. The notion of him waking up tied to a chair, and his starving dogs were the ones that you know ate him to death mm. and she just stood there and then she took a step back and walked away that the the thing that was so great about that scene was okay so yes it was steeped in revenge but it was steeped in the right type of revenge in in this and not, not the right type of revenge but in something that tied so many loose threads together because it wasn't just she chose a horrible way for him to die it was that all of those dogs have names of women that he has tortured and raped and brutalized, and oh, that those, I didn't know that. Yeah, and that is, those, is that in the movie? It's in the book. I'm sorry. Oh, the yeah, yeah. Okay. And the the dogs are named after. So what he do is he would rape these women, and then and this is in the story, and then he would send them off, and he would give them like an hour head start, and then he would come with yeah. his hounds. Yep. yep. And uh, if he had a new hound uh, that would rip the women's throat out or whatever he would name the hound after that woman. Um, and to have the woman who was brutally raped on her wedding night by him, uh, and you know, so many nights after that, to have Lisa. Sansa, to have mm-hmm. her be the one to be there. and you know, But it's his fault because he starved the dogs. Dogs, yeah. And he did it on purpose, and that's how he killed his, his stepmother and his stepbrother, you know, a little infant, had him eat, eaten alive by the dogs. So it was this perfect moment of, a thousand strands all coming together with Sansa. Now this is like her accepting the vi- like she has put to death the little girl. You know? Oh yeah, and mm-hmm. she's accepted like this world is marked by violence. And now that I know how to play this game, you know I I'm not going to be uh, a wounded little dove like I was before. And then she even talks about that like how stupid I was. You know, I couldn't wait to leave King's Landing or um, Mm -hmm. uh, Winterfell, and now all I want to do is be here. Um, You know, and that's that notion of like she's she's put to death in the death of Roose Bolton, the death of the child Sansa. You know, after all she's suffered. My house will never fall. 
every day that it was fed. And I, th- I, th- I think, too, you can probably even make the argument from a moral standpoint, which I mean, doesn't really apply. But they live in a society where a death penalty, I think, would be just. Yeah. And, and given the nature. Oh, and mm-hmm. required given the type of person that he was. Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I, I think that was, you know, it's going to be really. And how badass was that? uh Lady, I forget her last name, but it's it's like Mormont or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, that was like you are the coolest eleven year old girl ever. Oh, she's ten. Oh, she's ten. Yeah. Ah, so great. I am. It kills. I I have been reading so many theories on this show. It's been wonderful. Oh, yeah. right. Like what? Yeah. Oh, um. So. Okay, so there's uh, the one that it's actually like Sam who is starting to tell this this he's the one who's actually telling the story. And there are two things that hint at this. One is the thing that you see in the library that's part of the opening credits. The big orb kind of like thing. And then two is that you can it almost kind of it almost kind of like looks like that the opening credits start like it's being like you are looking at it through the type of magnifying glasses that the like maester wore in the maester's uh, library yeah like at the very uh, beginning and then there's uh, the one that Tyrion's actually a targaryen yeah yeah and him and john and um the narrators are going to each ride a dragon against the White Walkers. Uh, every, I've read a lot of things. Sorry, I'm just going off now. No, um, no. I've read a, I've read uh, stuff that says they think that Jamie's probably going to kill like going to kill like Cersei, which, which I think is true. Yeah. Or I mean, I can I mean, I think it'd be very cool there's, from a story standpoint. There's this weird, interesting thing with Jamie and Brienne of Tarth. Mm-hmm. And she is the knight that he should be. That she is, as a woman, she's a tragic figure because, as a woman, she's not allowed to be a knight. But as a knight, as a as an individual, she is the most noble of all the knights. Mm-hmm. You know, she one hundred percent believes in the very chivalry that people who are world renowned knights actually, when you meet them, are not. You know, whether it's Sandark again or. Um, or or Jamie Lannister, they're all false, right? They're all, you know, betrayers and and in it for themselves and womanizers and all this stuff. And here's Brienne of Tarth, who tragically the only person that ever let her be a true knight, a, a, a Kingsguard, was um, you know Renly Baratheon, who was mm-hmm. who was killed quickly. 
uh, and in her presence, so she even failed that job. But so I think he has a a platonic love for her and an admiration for her. Like you are what I should be, and I don't hate you for it. At first, he did, but he loves her for it, and she's in love with him totally. Like she just loves him. See, I, I oh yeah, I don't think she has romantic. No, I think she. I think she would uh, hook up with him in a second. You do because in the books it talks about how she's in love with him, but it doesn't. Oh, it okay. doesn't go into depth, and it's a pivotal scene that may show up in the next season. So I'm not going to say anything, but uh, which I don't think it's going to show up because the writers say that they're the directors say that they're only going to do um, like twelve to fifty more episodes. Yeah, I I think they said it is um, it is is going to be seasons. So like uh, Breaking Bad and Mad Men. Yeah, it has to end, and they always said to HBO, no matter how popular it gets, it has to end. And we're sure HBO's giving them a truckload of money, but they're like, no, no, it has to end. We don't want it to be like a show that's so popular, so popular, well, one more season, one more season, like, you know, and just run out on its own steam. Kind of like <laughs> Lost. Yeah, like Lost did. But mm-hmm. these, um, so it has a definitive story arc. But I think, I, you know, I want to say that she kills Cersei, that she won't, oh, mm-hmm. that she will be the one to do to deliver the final blow because she is number one. She's a Stark woman. Now she has to be, she is, forever. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's, she's yoked to the Starks. Yep. And so she is not going to be, uh, what wasn't she? A, a... yeah. So she's going oh, to be yoked. Hey, to really her. quick. There's yeah. a whole bunch of, there's a whole bunch of fireworks going on at the, um, over at the concert. Can you hear it? No, it's the end of, um, of Paradise City. Sorry. Anyways, <laughs> go on. No, but I'm excited. I'm excited for John and Daenerys to meet. Daenerys oh, is I... Daenerys is going to land in Dorne. That that's that's uh, the next thing I was going to ask you is where do you think that they land? Do they do they make it to Westeros on the first season? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, they're going to land in episode one or two. The only issue is though the Iron Fleet that's coming out to meet her. Will it be, you know, the whole Iron Islands coming in war in order to, you know, show her how, how awesome of a king Euron Crow's eye is? Or is it going to be um, Daenerys just burning him and stealing his ships and moving on? Um, I think Daenerys, I think the ultimate thing is Daenerys wins. This is my goal, my vision for it. Daenerys captures the Iron Throne. Brienne kills for the sake of Jamie kills or in revenge of jamie which would be interesting oh yeah so cersei kills jamie jamie is avenged by brianne Mm -hmm. or brianne kills them both while they're making sweet sweet incestual love to each other (laughs) or the mount kills jamie because he's trying to and hurt cersei Cersei. yeah but even though he doesn't like and there's a little bit of conflict with that but the queen allows it to happen yeah I think you know what would be really cool though. You know what I would I would love I would love to see John and a Daenerys, Jamie, uh, Brienne and the Hound and um, the Onion Knight, uh, Davos. Sorry, yeah. Davos. Or, or I've pronounced it like them all be ready to fight the white walkers like like that's the main group who is leading everyone else against the white walkers almost like an team of avengers if you will yeah 
Oh, but, so sweet. but there has to be something that shatters the wall. In the books, um, the king of the north, uh, or the king beyond the wall, his whole goal was to get um, this sacred horn and to blow it. And when the horn is blown, it, shat- it brings down the wall. Mm-hmm. It shatters the magic and brings down the wall. And he gets it. And I think Jon Snow steals it or breaks it or something that happens when Stannis' army shows up. Um, because Jon Snow knows if, if he blows the horn, all is lost. Um, and I think that was the whole point or purpose. I, I can't remember totally. But, um, you know, horns are very interesting because now there's a, there's a magical horn that the Euron Crow's Eye has. And one of his men, that's actually how he ended the King's Moot, is he had his man blow the horn. That's how he, not ended, but introduced himself into the King's Moot, was they blew the horn, and the guy blew it, and it just got louder and louder and louder and louder for, like, two minutes. And then the guy died blowing the horn. It, like, consumed him. Hmm. And the horn is a magical horn that summons dragons. And so his whole thing is he'll magically possess the dragon because it's like a blood magic horn, so he already sacrificed his guy to blow the horn. And he'll be able to control one of the dragons, oh. and that's where shit gets crazy. Because in the in the in the book, the dragon is black, white, and green. So you can see the black one being Daenerys, because their banner mm-hmm. was always a black background. The white being Jon Snow's. Whose would the green be? The green could be one. Uh, um, what's his name? Um, Tyrion. Yeah, and because their land is is a coastal land, you know, whatever. But you, I'm thinking like, who is green? Well, green would be the first green place that comes to mind is the um, the Vale, or not the Vale, uh, where the the wine people are. Um, the queen, yeah, the Queen the, of Thorns and all of them. Um, drawing a blank. High Garden. Yeah, yeah. High Garden. But who in High Garden? It can't be Sir Loras. He's dead. You know, they can't be, any, you know, anyone. They're all dead. Wouldn't that be awesome if it was the Queen of Thorns? This old woman riding on a green dragon. <laughs> uh, I need to reread these books. So good. You I don't mean, need to reread the books. What you need to do is go on a wiki of ice and fire. And, uh, just dive in. Yeah, just dive in like a gentleman. I feel like we just did uh, a new another show that we can release. A Game, of, like, Thrones. <laughs> a Game of Thrones bonus episode. So I think... This episode, these two episodes, I mean, they are going to be like season one, I felt was utterly flawless in in its comparison and tracking with the book as best as it could. Mm -hmm. And when Ned Stark got his head chopped off, I mean, like I remember because I had um, I hadn't seen or I hadn't read it yet. And when that happened, I thought, no, someone's going to wake up from a dream. It's going to be this, it's going to be that. And then the episode, you know, the season ended, and I'm like, no, what? <laughs> you know, it's Sean Bean. It's Sean Bean. Sean Bean doesn't die. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it, 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 it honestly, it, it's, it was not the fact that he died. It was the fact that 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 big of an actor that yeah. was he was the face of that show. Yeah. And so in my mind, I'm like. The un the unspoken rules dictate that he can't die because yeah. he's the show, which is what is so brilliant about George R. R. Martin. 
That's so brilliant. And the directors of the, of the HBO show. That's so mm-hmm. brilliant because it, it deliberately plays with no, no more are we stuck in this loop of jump scares and stupid stuff. It's yep. no, anyone can die. Now you, oh, viewer, have a genuine suspense. Because, you know, when you're watching the money character, the money character doesn't die. Or if he does die, it's a very big buildup and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And the whole time you're like, well, this is kind of, you know, whatever. And then the king throws a fit and has his head chopped off. And you're like, wait, wait, what? No, no. <laughs> I mean, I'm... I remember it wasn't until, like, he was dead that I was just like, what? Like, I mean, I, I didn't believe it. Like, I thought, yeah. like, well, okay. Because I, I, I remember I uh, actually said um, out, like, out loud, someone's got to come now. Someone's got to come now. Someone's got to come right, like, right yeah. now. Yeah, where's the the Hollywoodism where there's like a sword comes from the other side of the screen to block the blow, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that. But okay, how about this? How about this though? The big reveal is um, R plus L equals J. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and they finally made it. So Rhaegar Targaryen plus uh, Lyanna Stark equals Jon Snow. That Jon Snow is not the the bastard son of Ned Stark. But is in fact what everyone thinks the son, the offspring of Rhaegar Targaryen and Ned Stark's sister, Lyanna Stark. And so the way that they did it in the show was she's in the Tower of Pain or whatever it's called. He runs up there and he sees her. She's bleeding because she gave birth and the hemorrhages aren't stopping. And they hand her a little boy, a little infant boy. She whispers something in his ear that we're not allowed to see. And then it goes from the face of the boy to the face of the now John Snow. Oh, that, was, that was so amazing. Thank you for validating the theory that we've all that, yeah. known to be true, <laughs> but not allowed to 100% <laughs> accept okay, it. So I have two questions. Go. One, uh, is he – is so all, all of the books are not actually called – game of thrones that's the name of the first of the first book it's called a um a song of ice and fire is he that song like is he the main character i mean he very well could be the song himself because he's the union of targaryens who are dragon masters Mm -hmm. and the starks who are the northmen right so he could mm-hmm. be in his very person, the ice of fire, or it could be Daenerys, who is literally the unburnt, right? She can literally walk through flames in union with Jon Snow, who is the ice, right? Mm-hmm. So they would make a smashing couple. Um, or Except they're what? she's his aunt, right? Jesus. Or she's his, his, his yeah. cousin. Aunt, I think. Yeah, aunt. aunt. Okay. Yeah, but they're Targaryens. They yeah. love incest. But I don't want to see Jon Snow commit incest see, or engage in incest. That's so funny because that's all I want to see. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Do it. You know you want to. <laughs> give in. Give in. It's called okay. the natural law. <laughs> and then is he – can you explain the prince that was – the prince that uh, was promised? Uh, Azor Ahai. Because we're podcasting, right? Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so the princess was promised. The prince that was promised is the belief in the the uh, the 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 red god that he would send someone at the time of Earth's greatest need. He would arise up as a a horazai, and the first horazai guy, he was the one that led the great forces against the long night and the long winter and blah blah blah. And his whole thing was he had this sword called the 
what was it called the Lightbringer or something like that and it was a sword that he forged eventually he forged three swords they all weren't good enough until the, finally he plunged the sword in order to temper its fire plunged it into the heart of his wife and by killing her and her blood spilling over it and kind of spiritually commingled with the blade it became the Lightbringer it was like always a flame and the the red witch or the red priestess or whatever you want to call her in the story um her whole Melisandre, her whole thing was she believed it was Stannis. She wanted other people to believe that was Stannis. So she cast a glamour on his sword. In the books, that's that was the whole point. They don't do it so much in the movies. In the mo- or in the show, there's one scene where they burn the seven statues of the seven gods, and he has a there's a sword that's in the statue and he pulls it out and it's on fire. And she's like, Oh, the prophesied sword. But in the books, she casts a spell. And every time he pulls his sword out, like, it beams with light, and it's shining and blinding. But they realize, like, it's fake because Master Eamon's like, I didn't feel any heat. Look at his scabbard. Is is it singed? And he's like, no, it's fine. And he's like, see, that's not real heat. That's just a magic trick. And he's like, oh, wow. Turns out the Red Witch with that little magical thing she has around her neck. She's actually, like, 100 years old. She's an old, old naked more woman. Than yeah. Yeah. And so saggy. Mm, yeah, that was a weird nude scene that was, with that was, that was very weird. Yeah. But um so this whole notion of this guy, he his he's born under the sign of of salt and fire and when Daenerys was born, it was this raging storm and there was a great fire at Harrenhal that killed uh, or maybe not Harrenhal, but a big fire that killed a whole bunch of people. And it was this huge tragedy and it's kind of a, one of these background like ancient, they're not ancient, but like these background events that were pivotal in the story of Westeros. The other one being the Great Contest at Harrenhal, and that's where Jaime Lannister became a uh, a Kingsguard. That's what, you know, it's like all of these super big events happened, and that's where Lyanna and Rhaegar fell in love. Uh, and that's where um, Howlin' Reed, Ned Stark's best friend, who was there when Lyanna Stark died, um, that's where he donned, because he's a little guy, donned this you know, pretended to be a mysterious knight and defeated all the other knights of the realm and all that. It's just crazy stories of all that happened. But uh, this whole Azor High guy is supposed to be the deliverer. And so there's all these other signs and symbols that prophesize his coming. But at the same time, you we we honestly don't know if it's Jon Snow, if it's Daenerys, if it's all of them, if it's none of them, you know. You, it's It's all open and unclear. But you do know the red god, the fire god, the whatever god. Um, the Lord of Light, his whole thing is, you know, their whole thing is he's going to send another savior to do battle. And we don't know who that is. It's got to. I mean, I think it's John. I think it's John, too. I think everyone points. Everything points to John. I think what what's going to happen is Daenerys is going to arrive. There's going to be an epic mid-season battle. She assumes the Iron Throne. And she starts to go mad. And I think she's the one because the Mad King Ares, her father, whatever, he went mad later in life. He wasn't mad in the beginning. And they said as he would advance in years, he was getting crazier and crazier. So I think that's what happens to her. And because she's so good, right? Yeah. Her and her and Jon Snow, they're so perfect. Like you just want to root for them. And George R. R. Martin wants to break your heart. So once you root for someone, he has to hurt them. It's true. But how much has he hurt Jon Snow? He's destroyed Jon Snow. Egret died in his arms. He had to oh, hang the little so the little boy did boy. it that he Ugh. saved, and then he had to hang the little boy. Like, 
He was yeah. stabbed to death by his own people. <laughs> like, I, I I also think though that I okay. So I agree that George R. R. Martin and everyone who's in charge of the show they can do whatever they want, but that can only go so far. Yeah, because I think towards the end of is like season five once they burned the one girl, uh, Stannis's daughter. Yeah. I think mean, people were horrified, but I think people kind of reached there. They reached a breaking point where, okay, good stuff has got to start to happen soon. So I don't know if they can I, – I think they could get away with that with a Daenerys, not with Jon Snow. I think Jon Snow is a little bit more popular because ultimately his story is just a little bit more interesting. And it's underdog and all that. I don't yeah. know. I think her story is – well, her story is fascinating because her story is just when it looks like she's about to lose – she not only wins, but she's a sweeping victory, right? So she's about to be yeah. sold off to this call. Turns out she becomes the Khaleesi. You know, she's you know this happens and that, and then you know it's like all this stuff. So she's she hops on Drogon's back and he flies her away from Marine. And just when all is lost in Marine, she shows up not just as a slave woman who broke away from her captors, but with the whole Dothraki, the whole Dothraki, all Dothraki with her. You know, and it like it's one thing after another. Whereas Jon Snow, uh, other than the Battle of the Bastards, which he only won because of his sister's, um, you know, leaguing with with what's his name, Littlefinger. But he uh, he's always loses. <laughs> like he he survives, but he pretty much always loses. But that's he, why people uh, like him though, because he he keeps going. Yeah, he's the underdog who stays under. He's not the guy that like. Yeah. He barely clinches victory if he clinches victory at all. I mean, like I think just, about. All the rebellious brothers that you know he had to run away from him and Sam had to flee from at um, uh, at Hard Home or whatever, not Hard Home, but Craster's Keep. You know when they were you know raping all the. Oh, that was so crazy. Yeah, that was awful. I hated. I hated that whole season because they kept showing men having sex with these women in like the background. I'm like, guys, this is just rape. This isn't like consensual. These are these are men who are just raping these women. Why yeah. are we showing this? Like, I know they're not showing, like, the women screaming and fighting and clawing to get away, but it's still rape. This is horrible. Yeah. Um, the, and I, I probably fast-forwarded. I felt like every time they showed the, the guy that was, like, the, the weaselly head of the, the, the brothers at Craster's Keep, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. God, fast-forward, fast-forward. But I think, um, I think everyone wants Daenerys to win, but I think Jon Snow, because of that— because of all like the feminists, like yeah, this is awesome. Finally, we got a woman character. He's gonna be, he's gonna build her up to be the best, and then he's gonna destroy her. I think she destroys Cersei or Brienne of Tarth does one or the other. Um, and mm. and I think I think that the white uh, the White Walkers win. Really? I Wait, mean, why do you think that? Because everything is depressing. <laughs> like. <laughs> there is no happy. This is this is my major. The- okay, I don't know if the White Walkers win, but this is my major thesis on George R. R. Martin. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Two minutes. George R. R. Martin is the American version of J. R. R. Tolkien, and what I mean by that is he has every American proclivity and vice in his storytelling. So it's hypersexual, whereas J. R. You know Tolkien stuff is not. Tolkien stuff it weaves religious themes, uh, natural beauty themes. Um, you know, he has it's it, it's very English. It's very English, but it's also very Catholic in that it is yeah. mm-hmm. hyper sacramental, right? So he's bringing in all these fantastical elements, 
but he spends time telling you, and this is a very British thing, spends time telling you about the beauty of the countryside. You know, and like every chapter, there's like three pages of landscape to get to the acting, you know, and he's because he's building a world. Whereas J. R. Uh, George R. R. Martin is American. He's he's a secular. You know, personally, he's a fallen away Catholic. He's an atheist. Rejects all that stuff. But he draws on that religiosity. You know, people are like, oh, you write so well for religion, uh, to a point, and then he just utterly fails at it. But um, this the notion of, uh, you know, it's hypersexualized. It's also hyper materialistic. It's desacramentalized. So every person that rejects the gods. Uh, and says, no, it's up to us. You know, we do it on our own. Those are the people that actually excel in the world that survive, right? Um, mm-hmm. Those who despise, you know, organized religion at the very least. Like even Ned Stark, uh, that's not my gods. Your gods are the ones with all the rules, you know, and all these stuff. Like he has this, you know, I mean, like, whereas if, if J.R.R. Tolkien ever wrote about sex, I'm sure it would have been a thing of poetry. Whereas for George R. R. Martin, it's erotica. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, Tolkien weaves songs throughout the whole thing, whereas uh, J.R.R. or George uh, R.R. Martin's, his songs are drinking uh, drinking ballads about having sex, right? Like, all of them are, or about murder, right? They're nothing that is fair and beautiful or even joyful and and none of it. None of it. Any, the, there's no funeral dirges. There's no solemnity in it. It's just, this is life. This is the brutalness of life. Get over it. And that, to me, that is everything about George R. R. Martin. And he's insanely clever. He knows how to get you to love someone so much that when he kills them, you will not be able to put the book, book down. I mean, the Red Wedding happened in the middle of book three. The middle of book three. And yeah. it was he literally skipped that whole chapter. because, And he said he cried when he wrote it. It was intense, right? The, that whole thing. Like, when that happened, I was like, no way, no. But I, I feel like like he knows how, just like an American, right? Like, we know how to really dive into the emotions. We don't care about the sublime. We rejoice in the knee jerk, whether that's sorrow, mm-hmm. whether that's excitement. You know, it's still exciting even when it's sad. And that's that's how I always interpret him. So whenever people try to come up with like profoundness, he's not profound. He's insanely clever, and wh- that's I think the difference between a Tolkien who whose books will be remembered forever as this epic literature, as 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 an epic akin to the Odyssey, I think. Whereas Martin's will be seen as gr- uh, one of the greatest examples of. I don't think it'll ever be considered a classic in outside of like cult classic or, you know, like our modern, I don't think it'll ever reach the level of, of Lord of the Rings in a million years, even if it outsells it 10 to one. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that it will either because there's not other than despair and nihilism. There's nothing that it speaks to that is, um, that is beautiful that you want to hold on to. It it doesn't, it, it actually, is the antithesis of striving after truth, right? Like even the tragedies of the Greeks, like there was these true things that would drive them and the notion of virtue and excellence and all this stuff. But that is like the whole point of the Game of Thrones is to smash that, to show how that's empty. You know, it's this massive deconstructionalism that is so rampant, you know? And so it's fascinating. It's a page turner and I love the story. But I... Oh, sorry. No, I just... It's not... But it's not profound. Do you think it's the story then that, that keeps us very interested? 
Like, like, why do we love it then? Is it because of the story? It's because of the story. Yeah, because it's clever. It's, it's awesome. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I've read all of the books twice on my iPhone. It is awesome. It is engrossing. There are so many moving ports. It, parts. It is elaborate in all these things. Um, but ultimately, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's first and last note is of despair. It's not of hope. Right? And mm-hmm. that's, that's the whole point. There's nothing. There's no. He's not trying to write a novel where eternal truths are imparted or excellence or any of that stuff. And I'm not saying you have to write beautiful stories. Like, you have to write, like, you know, uh, the, the, they might be giants or they're, you know, like a Christian cinema stuff where everything's happy. I'm, you involve the tragedy and the violence and the gore and all this stuff. But it's like, that's why I ultimately despair of what's going to happen to Brienne of Tarth. Because mm. she's the only one oh, yeah. that perfectly embodies truth, beauty, and goodness in an ironic way, right? She's an ugly beast of a woman. Uh, and yet she's the most true. She's the most noble. She's the most she's a, fierce. Oh, by far the most. She's the only virtuous one besides. <sighs> I mean, you could say that all the Starks were virtuous, but Arya but- is no longer virtuous. But we root for Arya because she's going to be the most sadistic, wrath. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, see, that's the difference, right? Is that's now true. Yeah. We, we root for her because she's going to bring thrills and a lot of blood spills. Uh, but she's that was a rhyme, so you know it's true. <laughs> but we're not. We're, I mean, and, and I'm not saying like they have to be perfect. That that is horrible writing where everyone is perfect. Frodo wasn't perfect. That, that's why we loved the story. Like at the end, he wasn't going to keep. He wasn't going to throw the ring in. You know, and it was like the only reason why the ring went in is because him and Gollum fought over it. You know, and so this this whole um, this whole notion of you know I've, I'm afraid of like I thought Brienne was going to get raped by I did too by all those guys and mm-hmm. then killed by the bear and I was like this is because he's trying to tell us a lesson the good not only die young but die horribly the only way to make it is to be as evil as the world is around you. Well, but that's one of the things, though, that I really like. Sorry, not the fact that that you have to be evil. But so this show did why I love it. I point towards two reasons. One is that I just loved Ned Stark and I love the whole Stark family. Right. Right. Absolutely. Uh, So I love all of them. And two, I I can remember at one point in time, I probably said out loud, Son of a bitch, I like Jamie Lannister. Yeah, absolutely. That I went from hating yeah. one character. I mean, not like hating the I like and when he pushed Bran out that window. Oh, you want and then when he almost like tries to like fight like Ned in the streets, they all you're just like, yeah. oh, he needs to die quickly. To Jamie's not one of my favorites. Yeah. Like I like want him to be happy. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, if it means your sister, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I know, I know. I feel the same way. I'm like, just listen, I'll I'll figure it out. I'll figure a way to deal with it morally. Just find <laughs> love, young man. Go west. Go west. Go west, yeah. Um Jamie Lannister, the Michael W. Smith of Game of Thrones. Um <laughs> what? Um <laughs> uh, Michael W. Smith ha- had a song called Go West, Young Man. Oh, okay. Plus they kind of uh, look alike in a weird way. Uh, I just I and I just like how they're very complex characters, wow. and there's r- actual a development as opposed to this character. I mean, there yeah. it's it's not a perfect show, but like I mean, I don't like w- it, that's impossible. It is very um, like look at where this character was. 
Look at where they are, what they are now, and it is fascinating to watch that a transition. If you read the books, the one thing you come away with is, oh my goodness, there are so many characters, and oh my goodness, there's so much time spent on so many characters. Like, as the books got longer, books four and five were originally one book, but he kept writing, kept writing, and he felt like it was so much important part of the story that he chopped the book in half and told one half from one perspective from one group of people and the other half from the other perspective and put that in the second book. But it's all the same time period. And so you have this one scene where I was reading and I was like, wait, haven't I heard this before? But one, uh, that's the the linking scene where Sam and Jon Snow are talking to each other where Jon Snow is going to send Sam off to go become a maester at Old Town. Um, and they're saying the same things, but it's from the other person's perspective that you're hearing the dialogue, right? So it's like the chapter on Sam in book four, but the chapter on Jon Snow in book five or the other way around. And I was like, oh, that's what this is. Um, but uh, I, I really do. Um, I mean, I love the Starks. Like, everyone loves the Starks. Everyone loves the Starks. You don't love the Ironborn. You think they're weird. They're mm-hmm. Reavers. They're Reavers, which means they pillage and rape and we do not sow. And how can you be for them? And you find out, okay, so she's a queen or she wants to be the queen of the Iron Islands. They've never had a queen before. That's cool. That syncs up with Daenerys. But then Daenerys is like, but I'm going to be the queen. Like, you can't be the queen. I'll let you rule your island, but that's it. And you also have to stop reaving and raping and, and you know, all that stuff. Um, I don't think that's going to go over well at all. But then you have, uh, like, you have all of this stuff happening that I think is them stacking the deck for you to root for Daenerys. You have the women take over Dorne, the women take or the woman take over the Iron Islands. You have the ten year old girl of Bear Island. Lady, I'd be crushed if she dies, Lady Mormont. I don't think she's going to die, but you have all of these female characters, uh, mm-hmm. with the peak being Daenerys and Cer- uh, Cersei. Now, like they are standing at the top of their game, and what happens? You know what's going to happen to all of them? I think George is delighting in setting up all these women. To emphasize, like, really to emphasize Daenerys versus Cersei, and then to annihilate, in some way, find a way to annihilate them both. Oh, man. I'd, it'd be very interesting if the White Walkers win. So, so I mean, I'm not trying to get, yeah. get, go back to that. But just, you know, and that idea of – because, I mean, you're right. It, it is extremely obvious that there is um, something about all of these women coming to power at the same time. Yeah. So and, and I, is is it to make way? Because you know one of the big things in Cersei's conversation with the Queen of Thorns is she says, you know, we went basically they're having this conversation like men don't have enough sense to rule, and yet they're the ones with all the power. I don't know if you remember that. I think it was mm-hmm. season season four where they were going back and forth when they were setting up the arrangement with Marjorie, um, and they were lamenting how men are so stupid and all they want is battle and glory and honor where the women just want to build up their family and protect their family, and they're the only ones with sense, and yet men rule. Maybe Cersei would step aside to let a woman rule, but she won't because of her pride and her meanness. She can't. She can't. Oh, now she's, she's the most the dangerous woman they've ever had on that show. Now. Yeah. She has nothing to lose. When they crowned her while wearing that black outfit, I was like, Oh, I am so scared of her, and it's a television show. <laughs> I'm literally going to have my nightlight on tonight. Do you think that uh, – I mean, think about you... it. She blew up the equivalent of St. Peter's Basilica. Oh, 
man. While looking with at it. With the Pope it, in there. Yeah, with the Pope, who, I mean, the High Sparrow does look like Pope Francis. With the Pope, with the the, the leading clergy and the everyone's favorite religious orders, as well as all the rich and well-to-do, the one percenters, right? All of them were there in at the you know St. Peter's Basilica and she detonated it and not only took out the number one symbol of their faith but also killed all of her enemies in one fell swoop you know what is going to and and you know Jamie's the one that said it he said me and you are the only people that exist in the world and the rest of the world can burn and she's like okay let's do it literally and then he comes back and he's like oh dang <laughs> now you're queen my my son, our son is dead. He committed suicide because of what you did. Yeah, like what do you think is going on in their heads during that point in time? When so it's just to kind of paint this like picture, she's being crowned the uh, queen. He comes back. They and they have a couple um, awkward glances. Yeah, I think. Each other. I think he's thinking. Oh my god. What has she done? And I think she's thinking, look what I've done. I finally made it to where this can happen. You know, like she thinks like, yeah, I did it. I burned the world. So now I could have absolute power. Me and you can be together. And he's like, oh, my God. But at what cost? You know, everyone's dead. No, No one would ever assent to your rule except for these. 10 minutes where we have it, you know, kind of happening. And the only way she's going to be able to solidify her rule, who would want to rule, be ruled by the person who blew up, if you're a bunch of Catholics in Italy, who blew up St. Peter's Basilica? I mean, you saw how immediately religious the people got when she was doing her walk of shame, right? Mm -hmm. And how, you know, like at the trial when um, the Queen of Thorns brought all of her, um, her military troops there with Lannister, and they ended up being bested because... Marjorie went along with the faith or whatever. Um, I just think I think the people will turn on Cersei. No one wants Cersei to be their queen. No, but she's so vindictive. She, you know, she's almost like the Mad King Aries. She would rather see the world burn, burn it all, burn it all, <laughs> than uh, than burn them up. Yeah, than than not sit the throne. I don't know. I think it's so. There's so many directions this could go. Really, that's what we need to say. There are so many directions that this could yeah. go. But we do know a couple facts. We know number one, it'll be depressing. Number two, it'll be clever. Number three, we won't be able to stop watching it. And well, actually, and since it's HBO, number four, boobies. <laughs> Seriously, oh, I wish they would stop. <laughs> oh, is that Littlefinger? Guess we're going to spend 10 minutes in a brothel. <laughs> you know what this show needs? More penis. Oh, gosh. The Clegane penis in the last episode. <laughs> I was like, whoa, really? They had to show that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> or the the one like actor who's checking for STDs. Oh, yeah. That was so gross. I'm like, what? No reason for this at all. <laughs> oh, there's one reason. Do you know what that reason is? <laughs> Wiener, tiny wiener. <laughs> no, uh, equality. Daenerys Targaryen, whatever oh, yeah, her real true. name is, she was saying, uh, if if I'm going full frontal nudity, absolutely the men should. What's the difference? And so I was like, I bet you we're going to see a bunch of penises in this season. And sure enough, I was like, and there's a million penises. <laughs> the unburnt has burnt me. <laughs> so many penises. Uh, okay, so let's end it with this really quick. Name the next big character to die first. <sighs> the next big character to die first. Oh, 
I don't. Uh, okay, so big characters that we have: Davos, Jon Snow, Sansa, Peter Baelish up north, Brienne of Tarth, the Red Woman, uh, Melisandre, whatever. The Hound. I, I think the Hound. I think the Hound becomes Lady Stoneheart's character. So, you know, Lady Stoneheart. Do you remember her? Yes, I saw her. I if it's who I think it is, I don't want to give this away. It's a pretty big spoiler. Yeah, but I don't think they're going to use her. Yeah, I've already heard that that she's not a yeah, coming back. So think, should we just say it? Yeah, spoiler. So, skip ahead. Yeah, well, it, Lady Stoneheart is the Brothers Without Borders, Red Priest Thanos, or whatever. Not Thanos, Thoros. He, <laughs> Thanos. Yeah, Marvel comics. Marvel comic. He resurrected her. Uh, she is Catelyn Stark whose body was stripped naked, throat cut, and thrown into the river. She didn't die when her throat was cut, but she bled out. And he found her puffed up on the side of the river, and he called on the red god, the Lord of Light, to give her life back. And she did, but she came back essentially as a stone-hearted spirit of vengeance. And her whole goal is to ride around with the Brotherhood Without Banners, the crazy ones who just go around killing people, and she is the one who executes judgment. So she goes around and is like, no, we kill these people, we kill these people. And that's that. not the same stuff, but something similar happened when the kindly folks building a sept in a beautiful valley with Clegane there um, all ended up getting murdered by the Brothers Without Borders. That was all kind of similar stuff that happened in the book, but not the exact same thing. Because Lady Stoneheart, in the last thing we hear of Brianna Tarth, she has... Brienne of Tarth up on uh, being hanged, and uh, she basically tells her, you know, says to her, "Do you love Jamie Lannister?" And she admits, "Yeah, yes, I love Jamie." Or like her last word was, "Jamie, Jamie, save me." Wait, it, wait, in the book, uh, she dies. No, it ends there. It ends there with her essentially blacking out from the noose. I think she's on a horse and it's being pulled away from her, and so it's like tightening. Or I can't remember exactly. And, but and there and she's being killed by Lady Stoner. So really? I didn't know that. Yeah, because she failed her mission to protect. Because at this time, everyone still thinks Arya is dead, Rob Stark is dead, Ned is dead, and they think that um, Rickon and Bran are dead. Um, and Jon Snow is at the wall, and so Catelyn has lost everyone. So she said, "Your whole job is to get my daughters. You failed because you fell in love with Jaime Lannister." And she's like, yes, I, you know, and so she has her hanged, but we don't know if she actually died or what's going to happen. So people think that Clegane is going to represent kind of this Lady Stoneheart where he's like, no, let me kill these people. Like, I want to be the killer, you know, I, but he's going to do it with this now, his newfound kind of not really religious faith, but from a, a purer standpoint than his selfishness beforehand. <laughs> than his... If uh, if anyone turns back, I'm going to rape your carcass. Yeah. <laughs> that made me laugh so hard, which it shouldn't laugh at that. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, yeah. So who do you think is going to die next? Uh, if you if if you have to choose or, no, I, or not choose, but just kind of make an educated guess. <laughs> Theon Greyjoy. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's probably your best bet. I think there's going to be a showdown with Euron Crow's Eye and the fleet of Daenerys. I think he's going to do something to kind of redeem himself, but yeah. he's going to die. Yeah. Or just die. I also think that Varys could go. No. The Whisperer? I, the Spider but, Dude? 
Yeah, but I put it on Theon Great The 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 hard part is right now every character that we choose there is there is a reason why they could not die because of of how it would have to advance the plot. Yeah. The sand snakes could die. But I think they they might be the ones who kill Cersei. Cuz she I mean, she's the one that detonated the building. Who would you be the most upset with it if they died? Uh, Jon Snow, Daenerys, and Sansa. That's all the Starks. I love the Starks. Yeah, I do too. Sir Davos, that would be me sad. Yeah, I'd be. Oh, I think so. I don't. I think the only ones who are safe because of the plot, which I know is the most. I mean, this goes against everything. Everything that this has been about, but I think the Starks now are pretty much safe. Yeah. I could be totally wrong. I think Tyrion, I would hate to see this happen, but I think that would be such a gut check. I don't think Tyrion can die because he is uh, a dwarf, and George R. R. Martin loves dwarves and bastards and broken. He loves broken yeah, things. Yeah, that's true. And the broken always survive, like Clegane and all that stuff. Oh, so, if, if it's the Onion Knight, I'll be crushed. All right. Right, right. I was going to say that, Sir Davos. That would kill me. I'd be, I'd be oh. You know, no, I'll tell you who. The red woman, Melisandra. She's going to get it. Sir Davos is going to go kill her. So? He's going to rip off the glamour. Everyone's going to see her for who she really is. And she's going to be revealed as the witch who prophesied to Cersei all those uh, years ago that she would be usurped and die childless. Hmm. Interesting. That's uh, all crap I'm making up at eleven o'clock at night, uh, midnight, you know, eleven fifty. <laughs> all right, man. I think I think this should be the next episode. <laughs> Do you want it to be? Oh, I don't. I mean, I think it. I think it'd be a good episode. I don't think anyone's gonna care, but I think it'd be really cool if we uh, released it regardless. So, but should this be episode fifty? No, because we talked a lot about how the last one was episode fifty. Okay, I can clearly edit that. Okay, no, 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 no. But like, I mean, honestly, though, I so I'm gonna be out of town from the twentieth to. Well, I'm gonna okay have work call. stuff. So, yeah, so too. there's gonna be uh, some weeks where I think we'll need to. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Love you, buddy. So, y- you too, man. Right. Rating and review on iTunes. Thank you. Fluffy wieners. Tiny wieners. I cannot hear it without thinking that now. Thanks a lot, South Park. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Our time together is about to come to an end. That's all right. You can't kill me.